This is the Bitcoin and Markets podcast. My name is Ansel Lindner, and I'm keeping you ahead of the curve in Bitcoin. Hello, Bitcoiners. What's up? Back here with another episode. Today, we're going to take a look at a tweet from SG Barber. I had the privilege to be on, I believe it was a Meister episode with Barber, and great guy. Um, he's a miner up there in Canada, I think Alberta, and they do these ohm units. Okay, this is not a sponsored podcast, but he does these ohm units. They're really cool. You put them out there to capture the vent gassing uh, from drilling operations or whatever in the oil industry, and you can burn that and mine Bitcoin with it. So um, he's probably doing gangbusters business, and I think uh, you know he's a really good guy for the space. They're really iterating on their product as well. So check them out if you haven't. I'll put a link to this tweet storm in the show notes for sure. But anyway, so just to start this off, there has been a lot of talk about Bitcoin mining, 51% attacks, uh, the subsidy running out, you know, as we go further in time, is that enough? Is the subsidy going to be enough to provide the security for the network and on and on? Over the years, this has been talked about, of course. Um, it's getting talked more about just, I think, because there is less drama elsewhere and people kind of have a clearer vision of what's going on. And this is this big stumbling block in a lot of people's minds uh, when they think out 20, 40, 60 years from here for Bitcoin. So rightfully so. I mean, it's something that definitely needs to be talked about. Uh, and... I try to talk about it on Twitter and, and elsewhere when it does come up because some of these ideas need to be nipped in the bud sometimes, specifically about game theory. And I mean, I'm, I've done a lot of thinking on this, but I'm no expert. I mean, there are no experts in this game right now. This is completely new, but you have to default to the concreteness of Bitcoin's consensus and the aligned incentives, and the way that the free market solves problems, right? That we can't necessarily foresee. That's a big difference between uh, market-based people and uh, central planner-based people. The market-based approach is to say, I don't know. The market will figure it out because just like life will figure it out in an evolutionary sense, markets will figure it out. You can't foresee everyone's situation. You don't know everyone's preferences. And the most important thing is just letting people voluntarily exchange because that is where the most, you know, voluntary exchange is the most beneficial to both parties. You cannot design a system based on involuntary exchange that has the same benefits because benefits are subjective, right? That's by definition, it must be voluntary to maximize benefit because benefit is subjective. Anyway, so um, that's just a big difference out there. And I'm, always, I'm already going down a rabbit hole on this. But uh, so I'm just going to read these tweets. This is about a 51% attack. And, you know, he's a miner. He makes mining rigs here, these big things. So he is uh, in tune with this. He's thinking about this constantly. So if anybody is on the cutting edge of this type of thought, uh, it would be a person like Barber here. So this is what he says. Bitcoin's security properties are amazing. 
For example, one really great aspect of proof-of-work consensus is that if a 51% attacker decides to orphan blocks from honest miners, then the difficulty will adjust downward up to 50%. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but what he's saying is that, you know, uh, if that attacker has 51%, he is orphaning 50% of the blocks. That means blocks are coming 50% slower. The network will see that, and it will lower the difficulty by 50%. I believe there's it can only go down a quarter each time. So, and so in about a month, that difficulty will adjust down by 25%. And then uh, a month later, or less than a month later, it would adjust down again. That's what he's saying. This results in a decrease in the cost for honest miners to find blocks. So the honest hash power that was priced out before is now incentivized to come online, increasing the difficulty for the attacker to maintain 50% of total hash power. Those are the two important tweets, and I'm going to talk about that second one here, is very insightful because as the difficulty goes down 50%, then more hash power can come on. So say maybe uh, 25% more hash power comes online then that means that the attacker has to be able to up their hash rate as well, enable to keep 51%. So by attacking the network, they're actually making it more expensive for a 51% attack because more hash rate will be able to come online. They're making it cheaper for the defense by the honest miners. So in my mind, this kind of makes a upper limit to the length of one of these attacks, a 51% attack, because they can attack it until they have to add more hash rate. Once they get to that difficulty adjustment, they have to be able to add more hash rate. And if they don't have the hash rate, the attack ends. Maybe they'll think of a different way, like, will orphan blocks for a week and then we'll let the network go for a week and then we'll orphan blocks for a week and then we'll let it go and that way they can extend maybe this time period out a little bit where the difficulty will still adjust down because the average block time will be higher but it won't adjust down as much and so they might be able to extend this week on week off sort of attack for a longer period of time. But uh, in an all-out attack where they're orphaning all blocks, they're blacklisting everybody, they're just empty blocks coming out, a month-long time frame is roughly the upper limit. Unless you have a bunch of hash rate in reserve, which probably is not the case. There's also a lower limit, I believe, and that is you know, roughly a day or so, half a day to a day. Because if you want to plan out some sort of reorg attack for a a small amount of time to do some sort of big double spend or something like that, you have to take into account this, the probabilistic nature of this. So yeah, you have 51% attack, you orphaning all those blocks, but then the honest miners get lucky and they find three blocks in a row really quickly, like a minute apart, which happens. It happens every day. Maybe not three in a row, but 
definitely two blocks in a row that are a minute apart happens almost every single day. And so probabilistically that would screw up your short-term attack. You mitigate that by extending the attack out because over the long run, you will outrun them, right? So it increases the risk with a shorter time horizon, in my opinion. So there's this, this sweet spot between a day and a month that a 51% attack can be successful. And this changes your thought process. So yes, a 51% attack is still possible. It can't change the consensus rules, but it can produce empty blocks where no one can transact. I mean, for a long time, the thought was uh, they could continue this forever and we would just have to continue to raise our uh, fees to incentivize more honest miners to come in because empty blocks get paid the same subsidy as honest blocks. But honest blocks get the transaction fees. So that's why transaction fees are the censorship resistance of the network, not the subsidy. It's the fees. So the thought process was, oh, this could go on for a long time and we just have to keep upping our fees. Well, that's true. But there's also this idea of lowering the difficulty to make other hash power more profitable and come online. So uh, there's multiple things happening here. It's very dynamic and it's not at all so simple as the government can buy 51% and produce empty blocks forever. It's not that easy. It's very difficult to keep 51%. And I just thought this was a very interesting tweet by Barber. So of course, I'll put this in the show notes. And that's it, guys. Very short episode. Listener supported podcast, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. See you next time.